Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Contiki Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Mahoney, coming to you from Brooklyn, New York. How's it going? Hope you are all well and hanging in there. This is the place to drop in and take 30 minutes to uh, check out and hear double feature film recommendations from some of your favorite artists, musicians, and filmmakers. Uh, this has been a really fun exercise uh, over the past several months here in lockdown to uh, to talk to some people that I've worked with and, and people whose whose work I like um, to connect with them because um, connecting right now is so kind of rare and precious. So it's nice to hop on the phone and, and hear from these people and see how everyone is handling this, uh, you know, in different places of the country. I hope you guys are being kind to one another, staying you know socially aware, politically active as much as you can be. This is a strange, strange time and year and one that, that I'll never forget. I'm, obviously, I speak for all of us with that sentiment. So uh, I hope that we are all uh, keeping our heads about us and, uh, and hanging in there. On the program today, Pete Yorn, really great musician. Had an interesting conversation with him where he uh, pays tribute to the late, great Fred Willard, a comedic genius by all accounts. And uh, Pete brings a couple of... Uh, classic Fred Willard films to the table today, which was really fun. Um, for fans of Pete's music, check out, uh, check out this live stream event he's doing on July 25th, where he will be performing uh, his seminal 2001 album, Music for the Morning After, as an acoustic set, uh, which you can live stream. So uh, make sure and check that out. That sounds uh, really, really cool. We'll give information to uh, tickets during the wrap-up of the show. Um, but check that out. It seems like uh, you know these things are popping up with uh, musicians who are unable to perform right now all over the place, and, and this seems like a really good one that I wholeheartedly recommend tuning in for. So let's just get into it, and uh, let's talk some films. And hear my conversation with musician Pete Yorn. Hey, Pete, how are you? Hey, can you hear me okay? Uh, yeah, I hear you well. How's it going? It's good. It's good. Are you good? I'm all right. <laughs> I'm hanging in there, man. You know, it's been an interesting four months or, or whatever at this point. So what are you up to today? Today, uh, what I do, it's like Groundhog Day still. I'm like, I'm a, I'm the, I think I'm the only uh, quarantine holdout. I'm the one who's still hiding out in the cave. Everyone else seems to be going partying. Um, but... um. I know that, that's an exaggeration, but you know clearly something's uh, something's not right. But um, I uh, I'm out in Palm Desert, California. I've been here since March third with my wife and my little daughter, and uh, just been kind of hiding out here. And um, we today we're gonna. I woke up, had some food with my little girl. My wife went for a walk. It's been like 111 degrees here every day. It's been crazy, but today it's like in the 90s. It's a little reprieve. But I think we're going to go to uh, this place called Whitewater Preserve, which is outdoors, and it's like up north of the tent. And uh, you can just kind of like walk through the stream there. It's like this like rushing mountain spring water that just comes down. It's actually safe to swim in and stuff, but we're it's open, and it's pretty easy to social distance up there, especially on a weekday. Um so we'll go go check that out a little bit. And this, this is the highlight of my week. This this podcast is a big deal. <laughs> well, that sounds all too familiar. We just kind of do the same thing, man. We, we look for like kind of outdoor spaces to get them out to blow off some steam, you know. 
yeah, that's it. It's kind of a slower paced life, but also very busy at the same time. Like, you know, when you have, I think, little ones, it's it's tough to kind of keep them adjusted and occupied and, you know, throughout the day. So, uh, yeah, that sounds that sounds very familiar, <laughs> your, your day and your week. <laughs> it is when you have a little kid and you're, you're doing it like, you know, we don't have we don't have any help or or any breaks really so it's just really the three of us and at least like you're you got your two kids together who can play but it's just we're just sometimes i feel bad it's like just us but luckily you know she's she's at an age where i think she's still just stoked to be with her parents every day and like just hanging out with us i don't think she really misses any kids or anything like that which is i guess good but sometimes i feel bad like because it was weird but i'm hope. I keep waiting for like some good news or like some way like, all right, we could figure this out and we could like kind of maybe mix with the cousins or go like kind of combine households. But every, every day, just like, there's no good news. It's just like, uh, I don't know. (laughs) So, you know, we'll just keep holding up, stay positive. It's like a roller coaster. Some days, like I forget about the big picture or, you know, I just kind of, I feel good and I can get in the day and other days I just kind of get a little bleak. Pretty strange. Pretty strange. Are you, have you been working on any music or anything at home? Like have you been, have you, have you been doing music and stuff? Um, I was a little bit and then I stopped. I just kind of, there was a moment there where I was, I was doing like these quarantine live streams. I did like 16 of them, just like putting on little, little just shows for, whoever's following me on social media and just play a few songs, check in with people. And those were, those were nice. I think people enjoyed them and, and I enjoyed the interaction too. And then I just kind of stopped. Um, and then, you know, there was a lot of, you know, there's a lot of social stuff going on in the country where I just kind of, I, I don't know. I just felt like I didn't really want to step on that and just kind of dipped out for a bit. Um, and, uh, you know, but I miss it. I miss, I miss interacting with, with people. Um, and I just recently started picking up my guitar again, playing songs and I got some new stuff. I think I'm going to drop a new, a new song, uh, in the next two weeks. And I made a video on my iPhone with just footage I could find, um, and edit it together. And so I'm excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's important to stay creative, I think, and whatever, however you have to pivot to do that, you know, to kind of, you know, kind of keep your sanity and your juices flowing. I think that's important, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's going to be a long, long haul here, I think, man. Um, well, let's get into some movie talk. I liked your picks that, that I saw that were sent over. So what, what's your uh, double feature recommendation for some at home viewing right now? Um, yeah, and I was I was like excited. I was like, oh, there's so many different ways I can go: I can do horror, a comedy, uh, I go to these dramas. I just you know, just different genres. And you know, I think I think it was the passing of Fred Willard, the great Fred Willard, that inspired this double feature. Um, and I don't even know if that was about a month ago or two months ago now when he passed away, uh, but. Uh, the, my picks are a uh, couple of classics featuring Fred Willard, amongst many other great uh, actors and actresses. Uh, Waiting for Guffman and Best in Show. Such such good funny satire there, man. And and Fred is um, an integral part of those uh, really great ensembles, and I, and I loved his work as well. It was very sad to see him pass. Um, 
So what? Uh, I, I assume that you're you're a fan of the short sort of mockumentary genre uh, in general, and the whole Christopher Guest kind of movement. I'm definitely a fan of their brand of it. You know, um, I remember when when Guffman came out. I think it came out in the states from maybe '97, but maybe it was how a little early before that. And I had just moved to LA from Jersey in may of 96 so it's hard to remember but i i don't there's never been a movie before or since that i went to see in the theater six times and kept bringing different people i remember i loved the movie so much at the time that i just kept grabbing them like come with me to see this movie come with me to see this movie and i would just i would just i have so much joy in introducing friends to this style of humor and at the time like I'd love Spinal Tap but like it didn't really register that I'm like wait these are the same people uh, I'm like Nigel Tufnell is Corky Sinclair it's the same like it like this like it's it, it was a big jump for me and and uh, I just remember you know literally six times I took different people to the theater to see Guffman and and it would just cracked me up every time and I think everybody got it everyone everyone I brought would like be like oh my god this is great and and uh it was a special moment in time you know yeah at that time this type of film I mean I we've been kind of saturated with this kind of thing and, and knockoffs of this kind of style um for so many years now but at the time it was to me it felt very original you know and I I'd seen Spinal Tap and uh, but it felt, you know, really new and fresh and funny and just so good. And, um, you know, Christopher Guest as, as, the, as the lead. I mean, for anyone that, I guess, hasn't seen it, um, there might be a handful of people. But, you know, it's essentially Christopher Guest plays um, this kind of uh, very small town. Is it Missouri? Is that where it took place? Am I right about that? I don't know. Yeah, it's a fake town called Blaine, Missouri. Yeah, yes, yeah, Blaine, Missouri. That's right. Uh, and he he basically assembles a uh, you know a, a local community theater production and 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 basically um, gets them all very hyped up around someone from New York, like a very prominent. Um, is it reviewer that, that, that he says is coming to the show? Yeah, Guffman is like some sort of New York, either theater critic or producer or someone who that Corky thinks, thinks could somehow, if he, if, if he comes and likes the play that they're somehow going to get on Broadway, you know? And, and that's what he, that's what he tells all the actors. And, and it's the titles based on a waiting, waiting for Godot, I guess. And, you know, and, I, you know, at the time, I had no idea what the heck that was. I did, like, I didn't put that together, and I was like, "Oh, of course." You know, I was just a kid from Jersey. I didn't know from that stuff, but um, it was uh, a cool, a cool reference, of, nonetheless. And and uh, yeah, you know, there's so, there's so many things about about the movie that I love, and I haven't watched it in so long. I'm gonna have to screen it again. But I remember so much about it. Those movies just that just stayed with me and uh and best in show as well uh, you know which came out only 3 years later um it feels like it came out so much longer after it for some reason in my mind but it was only it was only like 3 years later that that best in show came out and i was looking at like box office numbers like 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 so 
Guffman cost four million to make, and it only it made just under three million in the U.S. And so I was like, oh, let me go and like, like, like uh, box office mojo and see what it did. And so internationally, it made just under three million also. And I don't know how much P and A they could have put into it, but I feel like it it had to have broken even. And since then, with with other purchases and stuff, it it was probably probably made some money um, a little bit. Um, but it's wild to me that like such a great movie, iconic movie, like, you know, just doesn't, doesn't like really hit the mainstream, but it is a, it is a cult, a cult classic, I think at this point. Um, and then you look at, 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 um, best in show and I think, I don't know what it costs, but that one grossed like 40 million between us and international. Um, so way bigger, um, and probably you would think it wouldn't have cost that much more, but there were some, 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 some more elaborate uh, lo- locales and, and 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 sets and stuff, and with all the dogs and lo- probably a lot more stuff they had to do. Um, so it might have cost more, but um, uh, well, I think that genre game just steamrolled with popularity, and I think you know again like this ensemble cast, a lot of those people got on more people's radar, you know, during the late nineties. Um, I mean, we're talking about like really like longstanding, iconic, like comedic actors. Um, I mean, like there's Larry Miller, um, you know, obviously Christopher Guest, Catherine O'Hara, Parker Posey is in there. Uh, Eugene Levy, of course, is in all these. Um, Bob Balaban, who I love. Eugene Levy co-wrote both of them with, with Guest. A lot of people don't realize that as Eugene Levy wrote him, or came up with the pitch, you know, they were totally improvised too. So, I mean, I guess they did it similar to maybe Curb or, you know, um, to do that, you have to know like who your team's going to be. You got to be like, I know who the, these like kind of improvisational great talents are and I'm going to bring them in. I'm going to give them, you know, it's almost like whose line is it anyway? Like experts, you know, it's like, you know what, you, like let's just bring them in and let them do their thing. And, and that's, uh, that's the beauty of it um that it just works and that like to go back to fred willard who i keep you know i want to honor a little bit on this this episode um i mean the stuff that that guy was spitting if it was unscripted and he's just spitting all that stuff out i mean especially i mean from either movie guffman or best in show as the judge it's uh I mean, I put the guy on the level of a Ted Knight or like, you know, or an Ed Asner. Like this is just like really high quality um, performances. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's unbelievable to me that the naturalness that you can get when you have the right people just kind of improvising. I, I, I'm going to be glad to do the show on Broadway. And there'll probably be other offers, mm-hmm. keeping our fingers crossed. But I don't know if the theater and the stage is for me. I mean, for one thing... There's an awful lot of memorizing of lines, and I think, and I think you know what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's always been the ultimate goal, Hollywood. Uh, even when I was a kid doing my impressions, and here's looking at you, babe, and uh, you don't care about anyone but yourself. <laughs> who is it, Henry Fonda? I always have to tell her who I'm doing. She always laughs, but now who is that? But I think. Back there, there's always the germ in my mind that that's where I'd end up on the on the mm-hmm. silver screen, mm-hmm. and you got the face for it too, darling. I wonder how many like how many takes they had to do. 
Yeah, I would love to know that too. Um, or see or watch the outtakes. I'm sure there's absolute gold that's lying on the cutting room floor, you know, from 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 that from that ensemble. Um, the best in show film that we're referencing too, just in case people, you know, haven't seen that one, is basically a spoof of like the Westminster uh, dog show. Um, it's kind of a again, it's a mockumentary that follows around you know, all of these very eccentric and hilarious dog owners in competition with one another who are very cutthroat. And um, Fred Willard plays the announcer or co-announcer uh, of, the, of the competition. And, and that's a role that's like, that, that, that's, a, that's a trope that has been very well traveled. You know, like the announcer that is either, you know, intoxicated or makes horrible off-color remarks or is out of it or, or what have you. But I mean... He, to me, is just like, he is the quintessential version of that of that particular character. I mean, it's just so funny and, and, and just inappropriate and hilarious. I mean, he just does a wonderful job with that. It's, it's so, so great. Yeah, there's so many. He's, he's kind of have, like, like, sometimes he would be like a fake straight man, you know, um, in his roles. You know, like he, he'd seen like the straight man, but he's like really kind of corny and just like, you know, but then, he, but he actually had an, an actual straight man who was the co-judge or the co-announcer, not judge with him, um, who was kind of just like bewildered by the stuff that was coming out of his mouth. She has really given him a thorough going over. Are all judges that thorough? I mean, yes, she looks yes. at the teeth. It's very important that all the attributes are examined. Uh, teeth, eyes, Runs ears, Ouch. gums. Am I seeing right? Where's she putting her hands now? Well, she's just checking out the dog's uh, testicular area to make, sure, <laughs> to make sure that, uh, that everything is intact. I hate to go out on a date with Judge uh, Edie Franklin and have her judge me. That would be no fun. Would you please take your dog down and back for me, please? <laughs> now she's having the dog's... Why do they have them run away from them and then back up? What's the point of that? What are they looking for? They're looking for the gait and movement of the uh -huh. dog. And it's very important to see the small angles. So uh, Edie will be checking out this in particular. Good way to judge a woman. Have her run away from you and then run back. Now those birds on Connaby Street. Yes. <laughs> I'm used to seeing them run away from me more often than <laughs> run towards me. Yeah. Now that looks like a fast dog. Is that faster than a greyhound? Well, if you put him in a race, who would come in first? If he had a little jockey on him going. Uh, let me ask you this. If you're going to put him on a football team, which would be your wide receiver, which would be your tight end? Who can go the farthest, the fastest? Well, I, I don't know any dogs that play football. <laughs> I'm having some fun with you. Yeah, these are for anyone listening who has, and I don't, you know, I don't know who your audience is. I'm sure they're pretty astute uh, and connoisseurs of great films. Um, but if, if, if they haven't seen either of these, I highly recommend, highly recommend uh, Guffman and, and Best in Show. They're no secrets. They're not like these obscure films. I didn't come with much obscurity, but, you know, they're kind of worth pulling back out uh, for a good laugh. Absolutely. No, they're they're very very funny. Um, you know, also, you know, people would probably check with, with like a Mighty Wind, um, very much in the same same type of uh, Venn diagram that was kind of a, a, a spoof on folk musicians. Um, very, very similar cast. Um, very funny. Uh, yeah, this this cast in particular for all these things just absolutely crushes it and has this this um, 
rapport with one another that I, that I just haven't seen anywhere else. Um, you know, again, there's like Harry Shearer is in there and uh, Michael McKean is in there. And, you know, again, Eugene Levy is always an all-star for me. I mean, that guy is just so insanely funny um, in, in all of these films. Um, it, it's just, it's it's great. It's very, I think you're right, like the Curb Your Enthusiasm parallel to me uh, definitely rings true um, in terms of just bringing about the highest level, most bright, quirky people and just letting them go and do their thing. It's just its just incredibly funny. Are, are there any other uh, honorable mention Fred Willard uh, appearances that, that really resonated with you? Um, anything else from his, I mean, he's had just this incredible career. He had a very small role in Spinal Tap, but that also, he plays, he plays the, he greets them at the army base and he's just like, hilarious in that little role that he has he says something like his hair is getting a little shabby they're gonna they're gonna think he's in the band and (laughs) i remember just like watching that scene on repeat um so he was great great in that um uh like i said he's great and for your consideration really great as well strange he had like frosted hair in it and he plays this um kind of another time kind of like film industry uh, commenter and uh, uh, yeah he's great in that but I had no idea he was he was I thought he was a lot younger than he was um, I was surprised uh, how long he had been around and and he really didn't do like I was looking for like did he do a lot of like series or like big things was he on new heart was he on something like like as a recurring character uh and not so much uh really until like he did some show called in the like like dc follies this was way way after he'd been working for a long time which i've i never watched it but like but like um I remember it being around and I don't even know if it was eighties or nineties, but he did a lot of episodes of that. Um, but, um, I feel like the, the Christopher guest movies and spinal tap is what really like he, I guess maybe he always had this thing. I want to go back and watch, find some like early stuff he did and see if like that character was already like kind of in place, you know, or is it something that he just kind of, kind of morphed into like a, like Leslie Nielsen kind of, you know, like had like almost like that later kind of very, I don't know if it's a meta is the right word, but it's just like this kind of character that was developed later in his career that was very funny and, and you didn't really see it in like the earlier stuff that they did, even though they were working for years, you know, but like Fred Willer was working, he, he was working in the, you know, in the sixties, early sixties. Yeah, his first his first uh, film credits are yeah late sixties. Um, he's just one of those guys that like to me. You know, you would just see him uh, over and over and over again. He was never really like the anchor of anything, but I mean, every time he was in a scene, he just stole the scene. And yeah, he just there was something that was. I think meta is a good word, uh, you know, highly sarcastic. Um, yeah, I don't know. He just he he just did this. He had a very interesting quality about his humor 
that was biting and, and just so funny. And um, yeah, he, he, was, he was just fantastic. Looking, looking through the, like, if, if you go on IMDb and look at his, like, his filmography and you go back, like, he, he'd do, like, one episode of, like, all these, like, super, like, like, obscure, kitschy shows, like, Madam's Place from 1982. Remember Madam the Puppet? Like, he did one episode, like, he was played himself. He was on Battle of the Network Stars, like, one episode in 1981. He did, like, the, like, one episode of the Midnight Special. Uh, he, he, he did one one time he was on a Smothers Brothers special. Like like all like like just like things I haven't heard. He was on one episode of SCTV and you know, obviously a lot of the Christopher Guest universe, you know, and Eugene Levy is and those are SCTV alum. Um but he did like I was looking for something that he did like a lot of. He was on Ho- New Hollywood Squares three episodes. But if you go through, it's just like a bunch of like random things. But like you said, like whenever he showed up, he would steal the show. Well, I think, uh, I think, you know, uh, the takeaway here is let's go back and do a deep dive. I, I really like your double feature recommendation, um, for a variety of reasons. I think the Christopher guest movies are fantastic. I think these ensembles are fantastic and it is a nice, um, tribute to, you know, I think one of the most ingenious sort of comedic actors, you know, uh, that I've that I've ever seen. So I, I appreciate the double feature. I like this a lot, man. Yeah. If anything was ever listening, go back and just even if you watch just clips from of his, of his performances from Guffman or Best in Show, um, I think even out of context, if they'll be funny, but they're even funnier in context, of course. I agree. Well, thank you, man. I really appreciate the conversation and uh, and for you taking time out to chat and um, and yeah, I, I, I wholeheartedly stand behind you know these two films as well. So so thanks for thanks for that. We don't do I haven't done a whole lot of comedy, so this is good to kind of balance things out a little bit. I appreciate it. Well, my pleasure, and thanks for giving me something to do uh, <laughs> during during this during it. this quiet time. Um, you got so, it, man. Enjoy your hike today and, uh, and, and enjoy the family time. All the best. Thanks for having me. Take care, man. You got it, man. All right, bud. So that's the show. I want to once again thank Pete Yorn for dropping by his, uh, his live stream concert will be taking place July 25th. You can get tickets at PeteYorn.Veeps.com to go ahead and live stream that. Once again, Pete's picks were the Fred Willard-Christopher Guest combo, Best in Show and Waiting for Guffman. If you have not seen those, please do yourself a favor and check those out. Some much-needed laughs uh, right now. So uh, check out those and all the other Christopher Guest movies with those, with those insanely good ensembles that we talked about. Follow us on Instagram at Contiki Podcast and on Facebook at backslash Contiki Podcast and stay up to date with all episodes there. Uh, if you like the show, make sure and subscribe and rate us wherever it is that you get your podcasts and uh, stop on back next week. We will have yet another double feature recommendation from one of your favorite artists. Until then, stay cool, hang in there, and be kind to one another. 
I'll see you soon. a delicious vintage. Uh, hi, I'm Mike from the Up In Your Ear Podcast Network. I was just enjoying a late night snifter of brandy by the fire when I remembered I have a podcast. Yes, I, I know, Eddie. I'm going to tell them. It's called Does It Suck Now? It's a podcast where me and my three lifelong friends, Josh Sprague, Josh Solo, and my brother Dave, watch movies we loved growing up and see if they suck now, we go down the rabbit hole and try to kill our nostalgia for the films we watch from when we were toddlers to teenagers. Take a listen. Hi, I'm Mike. I'm Josh. I'm Dave. And I'm Josh. And this is Does It Suck Now? Now? I just have one more joke I wanted to say, which was awesome when he's getting kicked out of the dinner party and he's like, don't you ever come back here again? And he goes, suck my dick. Don't you love the movie Magic, like right after that, where they're like, cut to, it could be 20 years later. It it could be 30 years later because Mark Singer, who knows? The face and the chest are telling me different things. Everybody starts out by saying, this movie sucks. However, you should totally watch it because it's awesome. I want to be Jack Fizzle. Jack Fizzle sounds like a fluffer. <laughs> yeah, Peter Cetera? Yeah. Peter Cetera? Yeah. I'll, I'll fight for your honor. That song, whatever. Yeah. That song. Oh, yeah. I am the man that will fight for your honor. He throws it. Then Burton catches it, and he throws it back. Boom. And all the Buddhas go to shit. Mullets but, are fantastic in this movie. They, they Robin Hood's mullets fucking suck. And the mullets are really satisfying. Medieval mullets or 1989 mullets. Thank you everybody for listening to uh, us decide that Major League does not suck. Uh, I now. <laughs> or ever. Listen to Does It Suck Now? on the Up In Your Air podcast network. You can find it on all the podcast platforms where podcasts can be found. Podcast, podcast, podcast. Also, if you want to keep up with the Up In Your Ears podcast network, go to our SoundCloud page. That's soundcloud.com backslash Up In Your Ear podcast network. Thank you for listening. Up, up, up in, in your, your ears. ears. Podcast network. <laughs>